I grew up with just some phrases from my grandparents. And, um, and I would hear stories a little bit and stuff. But part of my um, journey to doing the show has been piecing together the history of my family, what happened, and I'm still piecing it together. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. Native Lights is a place for Native folks to talk about our gifts and how we share them with our communities. And it has this uh, Minnesota focus, and we talk about a lot of things, a wide range of issues with, of course, a wide range of perspectives, all while sticking to the core conversation about purpose in our lives. And this week is no different. I think we're going to have a really, really good and deep conversation this week. So how are you doing, Cole? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, I just moved into my new setting, uh, my new apartment. So Mm -hmm. just settling in on that in that situation, Um, the whole different uh, different set of noises around me. But we're getting getting by. How are you doing up there, Leah? I'm fine. It's warm, but I'm in AC right now, so I can't complain. (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah Yeah. so this week we are going to talk with a great guest um i saw him on a i happened upon him on a like a zoom conversation um with uh, northern community radio up here whoop whoop and Mm -hmm. um so i was really excited to get in touch with him and and talk with him more but before we get to that um i think it's really important to talk a lot talk about issues that come up head on. I know we talked about uh, a lot of different things and usually we, we try to keep, keep things light and happy, but we really want to make sure to acknowledge, um, the 215, uh, remains of children found, um, at the Kamloops Indian residential school in British Columbia. It's very saddening. It's, it's continued grief because we know that this particular case isn't the only one out there. Yeah, it's just yet another another cruelty from the past that's come to light. Um, I admit, like when it first came out, or when you first get the alert on your phone, I, I you know, it's just something you that I let linger in the background for a little bit because it's just I don't know. It's tough to like to click and like listen or to look more at the atro- atrocity. Um, mm-hmm. And look for more details, but uh, you know, eventually, uh, I I did, and of course, 215, uh, you know, remains of children, and it just I don't know, gets me thinking about justice and how it's even possible in mm-hmm. situations like this. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there, the, the remains still need to be discovered. You know, there's there's more remains, you know it, and, and so I don't know. Right. It's really tough to think about for too long, like how our families and generations made whole after such a thing. But, I mean, Native culture survived, you know, the the generations of boarding schools. Yeah, and of course, like, I'm pretty sure, like, any family we would talk to has its history with schools like this. Today we're talking to Michael Lyons, and he's super fun. I'm sure um, you've probably heard him on the radio or on YouTube, and he's... He's got a mm-hmm. podcast 
Um, he is the creator of Buju Nana Buju, a daily live streaming puppet podcast about Ojibwe language and culture. He's from the Leech Lake Band of Chippewa uh, up here by me. <laughs> so I'm really excited to talk to him today. He's so thoughtful with this conversation, yet so like fun and funny and whimsical too at the same time. I think he really has that great like sense of humor while, while looking at things head on. So without further ado, Buju Michael Lyons. Buju! Buju, uh, can you start by introducing yourself and just where you're joining us from? All right, Buju. My name is Michael Lyons, and uh, I'm in Bemidji, Minnesota, in north central Minnesota. It's just off of uh, Leech Lake Indian Reservation and kind of between Leech Lake and Red Lake. So how are you doing? I'm doing really well. My, my house is a little hot. Oh. <laughs> Every year at this time... I uh, I go, you know, I should really buy an air conditioner, and then I blow it off, and in about a week, it'll be back down to 60, and then I, so I've been living without air conditioners for years. Wow. <laughs> That's the thing. In northern Minnesota, like, we don't have an air conditioner in our house in Grand Rapids. Because right. like, we're like, okay, we'll suffer for two weeks in July. Yeah. But that has not been the case recently. <laughs> <laughs> How have you and the family been, you know, making it through the pandemic okay? Oh, yeah. It's been great. Um, I, I'm i one of the few people who just loved the uh, lockdown. Um, I don't have a job outside of my podcast and my radio show. So I just work out of home. And uh, especially last year at this time, I got out of so many, like, graduation parties, weddings, you know, the stuff you didn't really want to do, but you never had a good excuse. And last year at this time, I was like, ah, oh, it's a shame. I wish I could, but, you know, COVID. Oh, darn the luck. Yeah. So, yeah, for, you know, shut-ins, antisocial people like me, hasn't been a problem at all. That's funny. I I never really thought of myself as a social person <laughs> until the pandemic. I was like, you know what? I need that. Then you noticed <laughs> that, Yeah. <laughs> Kind of do like even just a little bit like talking to you know the cashier at the grocery <laughs> store or something like that or like exchanging exchanging pleasantries was always nice. Yeah, a friend of mine explained or said the same thing. She hadn't seen anybody for months, and so when she went to the grocery store, just, she was so happy to talk to somebody. When the lady tried to give her change, she ended up shaking her hand. Just <laughs> <goes>, oh, sorry. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Oh boy. So, you know, we started off the show talking about the discovery of the 215 um, children and relatives um, at Camp Loops Indian School up in British Columbia. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just wanted to take some time to acknowledge that. And I saw you did this wonderful episode um, on your YouTube program called Talking About the Recent Events in Canada and the Residential School Deaths. And how you just like brought that to a conversational tone with you and your friends. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know, your work and what inspired you to make this particular piece? Okay. For anybody who hasn't seen the show, I have a morning live stream that teaches Ojibwe language and culture. On that show, I have... Um, a couple of characters who uh, do most of the work. There they are. This is Natasha. I'm not a ventriloquist, so 
Bonjour, <laughs> Natasha Mendizel Nakaz. Bonjour. What are you doing? I'm a ventriloquist. You're doing that backwards. Anyway, so I can't do the ventriloquist <laughs> voice. But we um we always talk about Ojibwe language and culture, and I'll tell stories about my family. And um, it all started out, both my grandparents went to Flandreau Indian Boarding School. And my grandfather uh, went in the, in the 1920s, and he ran away from Flandreau. And, um, you know, as most people know by now, the Indian boarding schools forbade Ojibwe language or any language outside of English. They were full-on, 100% immersion, I guess we call it now. But the language was um, forbidden. So after my grandparents had grown up, they largely forgot a lot of the language. I grew up with just some phrases from my grandparents. And um, and I would hear stories a little bit and stuff. But part of my um, journey to doing the show has been piecing together the history of my family, what happened, um, and I'm still piecing it together. But then on that particular show, we started talking about the uh, events, you know, finding the remains of those children. And Nana Buju, who's the uh, host of the show, is the main character. I'll get him in a minute. Um, and it's not the first time this has happened to me, but I'll, I'll, I'll start talking about it. And we'll just kind of muse on what does this mean? And for a lot of us, you know, descendants of boarding school people, in college, I think they would have called this, you know, historical trauma or intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. But Nana Buju, not me, because I have no heart, but <laughs> Nana Buju would get like pretty, pretty emotional about it. And it's, you know, we're essentially a, a spin-off of Sesame Street, but it's such a heavy topic. Mm-hmm. Not just, you know, like everything in history, everybody has some story of tragedy, you know. But there's something in particular about our stories with the boarding schools and something that's gotten passed down in our DNA that your heart really breaks when you're reminded of all the injustice. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, Nana Buju got kind of emotional thinking about it, not just as um, the boarding school kids being victims of the non-Indian government, but also sort of victims of the complacency or um, what's the other word? You know, when the boarding schools are set up, that was a treaty agreement. The elders um, agreed to this and they said, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll agree to all these treaties, but we don't want our kids to be second-class citizens. So you need to make these schools so they can learn English, blah, blah, blah. When it all came down, you know, these kids were taken away so far away. There was the language gap. I'm, most of the parents wouldn't have even known where the kids were. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so there's, sometimes there's also a lot of pain involved in the idea of like, what is wrong with you um, ancestors that you couldn't protect our other ancestors? You know, these are your kids. And so, you know, there's a lot of like internal sort of pain or, you know, trying to work out our history. And so, you know, it's kind of like a wound that gets picked each time there's a new story like this. Yeah. And it, we talked a little bit about this, but when um, when we saw the news come out, I know Cole mentioned it, it's just almost like you read it, there's like this initial 
not disbelief, but total belief and like grieving almost because those are relatives and friends that are supposed to be around (laughs) Yeah. now, um, but aren't because of these horrible schools. Um, And also, you know, the strength of the language and family ties that were just decimated. I mean, not completely, but tried to be. I had an elder once tell me, he goes, you know, uh, just think about it. Back in the day when you'd have a a birthday party and when the kids are around, birthday parties look a certain way. You got cake, you got games, everyone behaves, the family gets together. Mm -hmm. Then you get rid of the children and those birthday parties become something completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, they're grieving, but the community fell apart without children. And then there's like a snowball of intergenerational trauma. So the grandchildren of these boarding school kids are raised by parents who were raised by boarding school survivors. You know, uh, when you're raised by teachers, that's a different mentality. Like teachers don't say, I love you and don't, and also you don't, don't teach you where you, who you are and where you come from. So we're a whole population of people who have very little memory of anything before 1900. Yeah. And uh, in, in the episode, I, I thought it was very interesting when you, you mentioned some of the, the uh, it's hard to say, I don't know if it's positive byproducts of boarding school where it, um, mm. you know, the common language of more uh, all native tribes. Could you describe that a little bit and just some, yeah. some of your thoughts on that? You know, when I first started learning about boarding schools, I, I only heard the one side of my, my grandfather's story. And I eventually wrote a song about my grandfather running away mm-hmm. and his brother by jumping on a train. They were, were train jumpers, basically. And we try to ride it north back to the reservation. Mm-hmm. And we're talking, um, you know, hundreds of miles. Like, uh, it's, eight, it's an eight-hour drive by car. But then I wrote this song, really sad song called I Want to Go Home for my grandfather. And it's, you know, and it's very negative of boarding schools. Well, then my grandmother went to that same boarding school about 10 years later. And my grandmother was very bright. Uh, she was an athlete. She was fair-skinned and excelled in boarding school. Eventually, she went on to college and became a teacher herself and a uh, Christian. So she'd hear me singing this song about the evil boarding school. And I remember saying, you know, she's proud of me, but she goes, she would say, I don't care what you say. I loved boarding school. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't get my head around it until I realized, like, well, that was her childhood. You know, my grandmother had rose-colored glasses. There There were positive things about the boarding school, too. I mentioned on the show how all Native people suddenly were united with a common language of English. Or before that, you know, Ojibwe's couldn't understand Dakotas and couldn't understand Diné or whoever. And now, you know, we, we've learned almost, there's almost like a national Native culture in a way. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys have noticed this. You ever go to a conference and you meet like Indian people from Montana and then Indian people from Wisconsin or even like Cherokees and stuff. <laughs> even. And you'll see like the same kind of humor or there, there's a similarity with indigenous culture. Yeah, there's a lot of like 
intersections, I guess. Like there are a lot of things that are unique, but a lot of things that kind of overlap too. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. And then my uh, grandfather was also, a, a, you know, we call him Ogichida. He was a warrior. He was a World War II vet. And I learned that in World War II, uh, Native American boys were the highest per capita to enlist. They didn't even have to be um, drafted mm-hmm. because by that time, they had spent a whole, their whole childhood. Basically, a lot, a lot of the boarding schools also had like military marching and um, drills and stuff like that. So there was also kind of a pride that uh, a lot of Native people would have about going to boarding school. And so it's it's really... I mean, you can look into this from so many different ways and analyze it. But then back to the, um, what was the school called in? Kamloops, British Columbia, I believe. Okay, British Columbia. I think for a lot of us, when that news came out, a lot of our healing had been sort of like not denying it or not thinking about it but sort of sugarcoating it so we could kind of go, yeah, it was really tough and a lot of bad stuff, but, you know, a lot of good stuff too. And then you hear this and you go, oh, no, that's right. Mm-hmm. They were killing children, you know. Yeah, it's really hard to, ugh. I mean, it seems like there are the the stories of people who came out of it okay. I think we've had a couple conversations, like Charles Albert Bender, the baseball player went to boarding school but had a better experience and played sports i'm going to share some more information at the end of this so if we want to further that discussion thanks for sharing michael um, about that and about your family and kind of how that has informed your own work and that we all get to benefit from and enjoy thanks You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're hearing from Michael Lyons. Michael Lyons is the creator of Buju Nana Buju, a daily live streaming puppet podcast on YouTube about Ojibwe language and culture. So, Michael, uh, what got you to where you are today? When did your interest in language and culture come about? So as early as I can remember, I remember being six years old and learning the word for coffee from my grandpa. We lived on a, a lake in um, Laporte, Minnesota called Gabacona Lake. And my grandpa was a fisherman. So he'd get up really early and I would get up really early. And I remember even at six, I'd come walking upstairs and you know, my grandpa was old style. You know, he wasn't like parents today where he would treat me like a little kid. He'd just treat me like a small adult. So he would make me a cup of coffee, put a bunch of milk and sugar in there. I remember being six years old and him going, you know what that's called an Indian? (laughs) Because the elders, they would never say, you know, an Ojibwe Moen. Mm -hmm. It'd either be like, you know what you call that an Indian or in the language? Mm -hmm. We're like, what? I'm like, what? (laughs) It sounded crazy. They eventually told me that's black medicine water. And so growing up, it was kind of like my grandparents had kind of a special knowledge of certain things that we just kind of throw out once in a while. Cause then I could go to school and tell the little bit of this secret knowledge I would get from my grandparents. That's my other friends didn't know about, but I wasn't like into learning the language until probably I saw a movie when I was in high school called where the spirit lives. 
And it was a movie out of Canada about boarding schools. And interestingly enough, I, years later, I would meet the main character, the main actress in that, um, Michelle St. John. She was one of, if you ever saw Smoke Signals, it's a famous scene oh, yeah. where uh, you guys probably saw it. Famous scene where there's two women are driving backwards in the car. Yes. Well, Michelle St. John was one of those two. And uh, so I remember when I, I was probably an eighth grader when I saw that movie and then asked my grandfather about it. And I always knew he went to a boarding school, but I didn't know what a boarding school was. You know, it's like a place you lived. I didn't know anything about why my grandmother went from the middle of the woods in rural Minnesota to this town in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started learning little by little of the family history. And then it was when I wrote the song, I Want to Go Home, that I started going into schools um, and sharing my grandfather's story. Also, I, I was being a cartoonist. When I was a, uh, sometimes I feel like I'm being almost guided by the spirits or Kichimanadu or whoever, the ancestors, um, to do this because when, when I was a cartoonist, I was a comic strip artist and I had all these big dreams and I worked really hard and couldn't get anywhere until I started sharing cartoons where that would teach an Ojibwe word. And then pretty soon people are like, hey, that's cool. I've always wondered, you should keep doing this. The kids need to learn this. There's nothing out there. That's kind of snowballed into people writing, saying, I love your cartoons, teaching us the, the language, but how do you pronounce this? Hmm. So then I had to go get Nana Buju. <laughs> Yay. Um, so that people could hear, you know, what M-I-I-G-W-E-C-H sounds like. <laughs> okay, hey, Buju. Miigwech. Today's word of the day. I know I'm in a shadow, but uh, I'm really honored to be here. Here, hold on. Nanabuju Nindijanakaz. Nanabuju is my name. Uh, can I answer any questions for you? How did you get your name, Nanabuju? Oh, uh, uh, how did I get this name, Michael? <laughs> well, originally, Nanabuju was going to be called uh, Thomas Aubrey. Thomas Aubrey, what does that mean? Uh, Thomas was the name of the uh, character in Smoke Signals, Thomas Builds a Fire. And Thomas Builds a Fire had this like really thick reservation accent. A thick reservation accent? I, I don't, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I don't think we have an accent. <laughs> and so, and Aubrey was my grandfather's name. Hmm. But in the last minute, when I was thinking about children's shows, you know, Buju means hello. Nana Buju is the name of uh, basically, the human character in most Ojibwe language folk stories, you know, be like Nanabuju discovers, you know, how Beaver got his tail or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was just sounded like a good name for a show, Buju, Nanabuju. It's like, hello, Nanabuju. And again, it was almost like a little bird said, no, no, don't call him Thomas, call him Nanabuju. Well, how many shows have you hosted? Uh, we're going on our third, three and a half years we've been doing videos, but the live stream just started on uh, January. We had, we had our first live stream New Year's Eve, and now it's turned into a daily thing where you do an hour-long show of Jibway Phrases of the Day. We get celebrity guests calling in once in a while, like George Bush will call in from the ranch, and he'll be like, hey, Nana Buju, <laughs> it's George Bush. What's going on, man? Can I teach you a Jibway word of the day? Or uh, Donald Trump. 
Yeah, Nana Boujou. I was wondering if I could say Boujou. <laughs> or who's the other one? I think there's a number of them. And I just butcher impersonations. And it's just kind of an improv. You know, it's, it's for kids. You know, I never swear or anything like that. But I know that all my viewers are over 40 or at least 30. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like I'm doing a show for children that only me and the parents are watching. Oh. And so there's some kind of... <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> Do you have a favorite episode that you've done? Not necessarily. Um, I have favorite moments, kind of. We had one episode where I have a comic book that is sort of directed towards children. It's like kind of one of these mental health books, how to deal with grief, you know. And it's called Grief Relief. Sorry, I was just going to ask, what's that called? (laughs) (laughs) It's called Grief Relief. And it's um, a story of a little skunk. And all the the animals have Ojibwe names. So Zhagag is a skunk who lost his grandmother. Nanabuja was talking to kids, explaining what is grief. You know, have you ever lost somebody? And I started talking about my cat, Princess, who I had lost like a year earlier. And in the middle of the show, I just got choked up, or Nanabuja did. And it was really sweet the way it kind of came out, just talking about grief in a, in a good way, in a human way. But also, you know, he showed some vulnerability to the subject. And then the show ended with uh, he's singing a song, A Thousand Years, you know, heart beat fast, colors and, you know, that from that vampire movie. Mm-hmm. But um, in the context of somebody you, you're missing, it, it was really a sad song. I was watching the show going, what is this? I mean, I'm, I was trying to make Sesame Street and ended up really kind of sharing, you know, painful things. And now the result has been we have a small group of people that always watch. And we're like a little community. They know about my grandmother and my cat and my cousins and a lot of backstories. Um, and they share it, you know. It's almost like it was sort of meant to be like... Somebody wanted me to kind of help start a small community. Mm-hmm. And I should also say that by YouTube standards, Buju Nana Buju is not successful. <laughs> we have a very small <laughs> or a very fringe live stream, but it is, uh, it's growing slowly, steadily. Uh, it's just a lot of fun to do. I think that's really what stands out about your work too is and and what we talked about today even um, with the boarding schools is to be able to show those vulnerabilities in a way that from a place of strength and like being okay with it you know you can show emotion um, and that's fine so it makes it fine for me (laughs) thanks it's a little easier to do when I'm off camera and Nanabuju is the one speaking for me. Mm-hmm. There is a little safety and it's not my eyes you see tearing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, his eyes don't tear up, but... Um, <laughs> that would be you know, interesting. He gets choked up. And then also I get a lot of sympathy. These two are so cute yeah. that uh, I think if little kids saw, you know, a sweaty, long-haired guy like me, <laughs> it's a different experience than you see Nanabuji do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was curious how how much uh, Michael Lyons shows up in the show, like your actual uh, human form. This morning, I showed up uh, playing guitar 
and singing the bass line to uh, Kiss um, Black Diamond. In our show, we try to have like mm-hmm. one short music, special music spot. But uh, I'll play guitar and then sometimes sing back up. And so you'll see me, you know, occasionally. And then Nanabuju and Natasha will refer to me while they're talking. She'll just kind of look down and goes, this is Michael Lyons. And you hear me off stage going, hello. And then sometimes I'll even interact, which is weird. Because I'll be like, Michael, um, what? how come you wrote that song about your grandpa? Well, you know, my grandpa and I were really close and, you know, I really miss him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, and I'll find myself <laughs> and I'm doing this in my all alone. I used to do it at like six in the morning. I often wonder, like, can my neighbors hear me? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Have you talked to your neighbors? Do they hear you? I know they hear me singing once in a while. Mm-hmm. I get nice mm-hmm. comments, but yeah. no one said anything about who's that crazy woman in your apartment, in your house. <laughs> I think that's great that you bring your musical talents to your program, too. That's so cool. It's like you can, you're just so multi talented. It's really wonderful to see. (laughs) You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're hearing from Michael Lyons. Michael Lyons is the creator of Buju Nanabuju, a daily live streaming puppet podcast on YouTube, and it's about Ojibwe language and culture. So Michael... What's coming up for you? What What's next? What What's the next project that you're working on or plans you have? We shouldn't even be talking about this yet because it's so weird. <gasps> it's weird how like... The Are we getting a scoop? Exclusive. <laughs> this is a total scoop. <laughs> yes. Since I started this show, I've had weird coincidences or just lucky... I happen to have friends who are perfect in helping me do different stuff or supportive. And... Uh, I ran into a friend of mine today who, uh, and we've talked about this a little bit, but she used to be the Ojibwe language instructor at Leech Lake Tribal College. And she has five children ranging from baby to teenager. And just today, not four hours ago, we went out to lunch and I was talking to her. Her name is Nikki. And I go, Nikki, uh, how well do you know um, Sesame Street? And she goes, I have five kids. Very. <laughs> what, okay. What would you think of, I, something tells me I should do a half hour show modeled after Sesame Street, but do the Ojibwe language version with puppets and human beings, especially children. Because remember how, go, how um, cute it is when Grover gets hugged by a human child? It's, yes. you know, that... <laughs> That's what sells Sesame Street. It isn't just the puppets. It's the little kids interacting with the puppets. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, I go, how would you feel if you and your kid were like Bob and Marie from Sesame Street? And we shot um, a proper uh, pilot show, something like Sesame Street, you know, oh only Ojibwe. And she was like, I don't want to be on camera. <laughs> I was okay. I understand. Um, uh, you know, not all of us are as big a show-offs as I am. <laughs> but she was really into the idea, and we kind of brainstormed. And we could have, like, a moment with the elders or something. and then, But to, like, script out a proper show with storylines and stuff like that. 
That sounds incredible. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. Well, hopefully we can help get this out into the universe, you know, a little bit more even. (laughs) 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 So you heard it here first. No. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Michael, what's the best place to hear you and find your work? Uh, I have a Facebook page that I always connect our daily um, YouTube programs to. And that would just be either Michael Lyons or Buju, one word, Nana Buju, the second word. And there's also a kind of a fan page on Facebook called the Buju Crew. My, my huge fan base of about 10 to 20 people started a page uh, dedicated to the show. and um, there's a lot of interaction there. Otherwise, my YouTube channel is Mr. Buju. And basically, I have so many videos out there now. If you Google Ojibwe language, you're either going to get Nana Buju or, you know, Anton Troyer. <laughs> so, That's I'm, not bad I'm, company. <laughs> yeah. I'm the less handsome version. <laughs> oh, oh, <whatever>. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's really great. That's... um. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the 10 to 20 people who started the fan page. I mean, but those people, right? Those are the, those are the, the, the ones that you get up for. Yeah, it's true. I, I feel right. real affection for them and I don't even, don't even know their real names because mm. if I YouTube, it'll be like, you know, sassy girl 25. <laughs> like, Thank you so much, sassy girl for coming to watch. Heck yeah. You know, yeah, I guess I had one last question. It's super important. Um, from watching your videos, it's it's pretty obvious that you are a cat person. Um, yeah. Could you tell us about the big black cat that you've told us about? <laughs> sure. Uh, and yeah, I just want to know more about it. Well, let me begin by saying I used to have a white cat called Princess who uh, was my everything. I don't have kids. I'm not married. So I was tight with this cat. And when she passed away... Uh, it was devastating. We've talked about that on the show. I eventually learned to love again by adopting the exact opposite. I now have this huge, fat, black cat. He's half cat, half bear, I think. <laughs> and I named him Bagheera after the Black Panther in the Jungle Book. And so sometimes, there's been a couple of times where we came on really late because you know, I'll get up at 3.30 in the morning, start, and then we don't go on until eight. So I'll think, well, why don't I just take a short nap here with Bagheera? And I'll end up holding Bagheera in my arms, a little big, you know, can barely carry him, <laughs> ball of black fur, and then fall completely asleep, wake up at 8.30. <laughs> and then that becomes a story for the morning about how Nanabuju <laughs> fell asleep again with Bagheera. And, uh, but it's sweet. People kind of relate to it because we all have pets of one sort or another. Well, Chimigwech... Michael Lyons for taking time to talk with us for Native Lights and for sharing about your family history and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, best of luck to you and your future projects. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been fun. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Okay. Gigawabamin, Michael Lyons, and take care. Gigawabamin, Minoa.
Well, that was really wonderful to talk to Michael Lyons about yeah. <laughs> his work and uh, Buju Nanabuju and hearing from Nanabuju himself and a little bit from Natasha there too. So what a treat. Um, and then, you know, it was really great for him to share about his family history uh, with boarding schools too um, and how that's, yeah. you know, affected his work and, you know, it, it provides that extra meaning and depth to it, I think. So there are a couple organizations that do tremendous work about um, boarding schools, both here and in Canada and uh, the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation or NCTR um, on their website. It says it's a place of learning and dialogue where the truths of the residential school experience will be honored and kept safe for future generations. Um, and they can be found at nctr.ca. Also in Minnesota, there's the National Native American Boarding School Healing Coalition, um, boardingschoolhealing.org. And their purpose is to lead in the pursuit of understanding and addressing the ongoing trauma created by the U.S. Indian boarding school policy. Um, really great organizations to check out that are looking to expose the truth and help heal in the process. Mm -hmm. And we'll have those links that she mentioned uh, on minnesotanativenews.org. Um, so you can check those out there. So thank you to Michael Lyons. Yes, Chimigwech, Michael Lyons. Michael Lyons is the creator of Buju Nana Buju, a puppet podcast on YouTube about mm -hmm. Ojibwe language and culture. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabamin. Gigawabamin. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you want to hear more Native folks talking about their gifts and finding their purpose, search for Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, wherever you find podcasts, and find all of Minnesota Native News' content at minnesotanativenews.org.